Hey there, welcome to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast, a space to talk about all things life, fertility, parenthood, and everything in between. My name is Elizabeth. I am an international fertility coach, ICF certified life coach, birth and bereavement doula, and new parent educator. Join us as we support the tribe throughout their journey from conception to bringing your new baby home and everything along the way. See you in the episode. Welcome back to the Pretty Little Tribe. Today, I am so honored to be talking with Dr. Andrea Vidali, who is a world-renowned reproductive immunologist, reproductive endocrinologist, endometriosis specialist, surgeon, miscarriage specialist, and one of the founders of PregMoon, which we are going to chat about today. So thank you so much for being here. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to having an interesting chat. Yes. I mean, there's so much here. I feel like I don't know if we have enough time, but let's jump right in. How did you choose fertility? I mean, knowing a little bit about what I've read from you, you're from Italy originally. Um, fertility is such a very niche, you know, specific market um, in medical. How did you decide to, to do that? Well, uh, it, it was a timing thing. What happened was that just as I was uh, finishing my residency in, in that time, uh, that was a very crucial time for the development of the progress of uh, reproductive technologies. And it was probably the most exciting field at the time. Not that it's not exciting today, but, mm -hmm. you know, you have to remember when IVF first started. I mean, IVF started like maybe 10 years before that, but IVF <clears throat> was still new and progressive incredibly well. So all of that made it so interesting. And, and that's how I got fascinated with it. And I just dove into it and uh, here we are today. Yeah, it's still very interesting. There's still a lot to do and to know, but I, I think I feel that fertility is interesting because it is fascinating from a technical perspective, but also from a human perspective, right? It is a very existential type of issue. Absolutely. And what an incredible outcome you get by what you're doing day to day, right? Um, Whereas most other medical areas don't have such an end result as a human life. So it, I think it's fascinating. It blows my mind every day still. You know what's interesting, Elizabeth, and you're a coach and you deal with this all the time. It's, it's interesting because if you think of it, fertility, you know, many diseases are a disease where like the disease is present in your life, right? There's something there, right? Whereas as a condition, fertility is a condition of absence, something is missing uh, in your life. So, you know, from a dynamic standpoint is different, psychologically different concept, where there's something you don't, it's not you have a condition, it's a condition where you're missing something. So that makes it quite special and unique amongst all medical conditions, if you want to think of fertility as a medical condition. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. So a lot of people now are really talking about this immune issue and natural killer cells. And, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like from my perspective, it's growing. I see a lot of my clients come to me saying, you know, I've tried everything. What do you think? Do you think I have this issue and I need to seek out a specific doctor that just deals with this. Um, so my question actually, as I say that is two parts. Why do you feel that there's so few doctors, at least in the US that really focus on immunology in regards to reproductive technology? 
Well, it's dual. Part of it is the reason is dual. So, so the first the first reason is that there is a uh, a lack of general education in immunology on the parts of gynecology, gynecologists and reproductive gynecologists. They don't get taught in school in residency about immunology. There's a segregation among different fields, and the second reason, which I think is probably a little bit more problematic from my perspective is this belief that um, this blind belief in, te- in, in the technology of IVF where it is the ultimate treatment. And if IVF, IVF is going to solve all the problems. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, uh, uh, and furthermore, the idea that if, it do- if IVF doesn't work one time to two times is purely a number games. And if you're going to keep on doing IVF, endlessly the same way over and over and over ultimately you'll be successful and that's i also think is not a correct belief i mean most beliefs are beliefs right they're sort of blind beliefs and biases and we all have biases i always say this it's a kind of a little bit of my mantra we all have, have our own biases you have your biases i have my own biases but i think there is a bias on the from reproductive endocrinologists that IVF is such a perfect technology, and it, and if it doesn't work, then there's nothing that can be done. That's it, you know. Like I, it just like keep on doing, follow me into the dark, keep on repeating these IVF retrievals over and over and over. And, and uh, you know, what about trying to find the underlying reasons? What about trying to look a little bit deeper? I mean, and I think this is one of the reasons why um, people that you advise, for example, come to you and ask you. Could there be something else besides the basics? Could there be something with, with, you know, my body that's preventing this pregnancy from implanting? Could be something dealing with the immune system? And, you know, not only it's true, but it's also on a very basic level, very logical, right? Right. And I think immune issues are becoming more common or even maybe more talked about. So do you think that the correlation between those two is becoming like legitimately people are having more issues with that in regards to their fertility, or is it just kind of coincidence? I don't think it's coincidence. I think that number one, there's more and more awareness of of the immune system today. um, There's awareness. uh, Immunology is, is permeating our lives. Mm -hmm. You know, let's not even talk about COVID, which is everything is immunology when it comes to COVID, right? They're all talking about the immune system and how different people respond, but also, for example, in cancer therapies, everything is immune now. The immune treatments are the new frontier of cancer therapy, right? You know, mm-hmm. chemotherapy is going to be something of the past. In the future, is going to be all sorts of new immune system, immune treatments. So it's, it's just logical that uh, the field of reproductive immunology is, a, is, is gaining more and more importance because that's where it's all at. And uh, do we have all the knowledge? No. But we do know that there are some factors that put people at greater risk of miscarriages, for example, or implantation failures. It's a fact. And it used to be that doctors would tell people, would tell patients, oh, miscarriages just do happen. Don't worry about it. You're sort of like dismissing both the suffering that comes from experiencing a pregnancy loss as something that happens, whereas instead it can be a very emotionally 
taxing experience, but also dismissing the, the actual root causes of it with the assumption that it's just due to, oh, some genetic problem and that's it. You know, things happen. I mean, right. yeah, know. things happen, right. but they're, they're bad, <laughs> even if they happen, you know? Right. So what do you suggest to somebody if they have this feeling that maybe there is something going on with their fertility immunology situation? Is it? Where well, do you, you have that? to you have to look into your own history, first of all, into your own family history. Believe it or not, uh, immunological problems have a tendency to run in families. Okay. And the one can go back to their family and find out that there's people there with rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, and all sorts of other immune conditions. One can look into their own history, whether they've had a history of autoimmune problems, such as uh, thyroid diseases that is a big one, but also other conditions, for example, skin reactions, severe allergies. People know if they have a sort of like a very active immune system um, and, and they're aware of it. Uh, other things that people tell me over the years have told me and that caught my attention was that, for example, uh, when people are pregnant, they're like, look, I get pregnant and I have these miscarriages and I feel that like I have these like uh, hives. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it just feels like my body's rejecting the pregnancy. And the doctor told me that it's all in my head. Well, maybe that's not all in your head. So uh, those are signs that point to uh you know, prompting a looking a little bit deeper into the immune system or multiple pregnancy losses is another example, you know, having pregnancy, especially when the pregnancy loss happens after the heartbeat has been seen of the baby, okay. because when that happens is more likely that the pregnancy is a, um, a genetically normal pregnancy mm -hmm. or multiple failed IVF cycles with PGT, PGT uh, normal embryos. That's also a flag. You know, if it happens once, of course, that can happen to anybody, but one, two, three transfers, something must be going on, right? You know, you, it, it's not just bad luck. Luck, you know, <laughs> is a concept that uh, only, only goes that far after a while. So to your point of multiple transfer losses or mo multiple miscarriages, what is the okay number to say, I'm going to go raise my hand to say, I don't feel like this is normal because most doctors will say, you know, three losses or, and they don't really tell you even if it's after a heartbeat or not, they just say three losses. Um, or they'll say, you know, after X amount of failed transfers, maybe you should look into an egg donor, or maybe you should look into surrogacy. What would your advice being from coming from this perspective be a little bit different maybe from the next doctor who doesn't have this background of looking at from the immune perspective? My answer is it depends, right? It depends on where you're at. Uh, one thing that would make the, the, the situation more serious is that, for example, you are younger, but it's taken you quite a bit to, for if you're doing IVF, to make normal embryos. Like you've done three cycles and you only have one embryo. And that embryo is precious, right? So why, why would you want to just take a chance and put it in just in case, right? Another example would be uh, why wait for, if you've had two, two losses or a loss with a normal embryo, why take your chances and assume that it's just bad luck and not look into the possibility that it's an immune loss, especially when you look and you see that the, on the average, uh, the ch after, for example, two losses, 
the chance of a successful pregnancy is actually quite high, but the average time to pregnancy is five years. So perhaps one doesn't have five years, depending on their age. So, um, you know, and I'm using, you know, I, I hope I'm using the right pronouns, but the bottom line is that it, it all of that plays a major role into one's uh, ability to plan ahead. So if, if somebody is, 40, you know, 39 years old, and they've had a couple of losses, you know, I'm not sure I would wait for the third loss. What the heck, you know, try to, why not try to look for a solution now or an answer at a minimum? And how do you suggest that we would advocate that with our doctors? Because I was 41, 42 at my second loss. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, pretty devastating to me, but my doctor was not in any way offering that as a as an alternative to maybe we should look into that mainly because of my age right well you're 42 you're 42 year old eggs right yada yada even though my losses were after heartbeats so right. um how do you for a client what how would you suggest that you, we have you, you have you know and i'm sure you tell this to your clients to your to the people that you advise all the time you know ultimately what you advise people to do is to be advocate for themselves right, right? you know yeah. not to be a pushover you know, doctors are busy, doctors are distracted. I'm not, I don't want to say that doctors are cynical or unempathetic, but you know, what for what for, for you or me could be a, a, a personal tragedy of epic proportion, for them, it's another day at the office. 100%. So, you know, what we need to, we want to expect at a minimum for them to acknowledge uh, what we are going through when with our experiences and uh, to, to listen to us. And I think that really, ultimately, you have power when you are a patient, you have power, believe it or not, you know, you may feel powerless, you may feel broken, but you have power. And I think the power comes from also expressing yourself and uh, be demanding, you know, remember, the squeaky wheel is the one that gets oiled the most, you know, and I think, uh, um, it, it's okay. I mean, ultimately, I, I think that, you know, doctors look, doctors mean well, they are human being like you and I, but for them, like I said, it's another day at the office. And they have these internal biases, where they've been trained to believe certain concepts, certain ideas, and uh, some of their training is not right. Um, when you're looking, for example, at certain guidelines, doctors, Fertility doctors are funny with that. They always say, oh, the evidence. But then they do all sorts of stuff that has nothing to do with evidence, right? They say, add a little bit of this, add a little bit of that, take a little growth hormone, take a little, do the scratching, do the thing. They're constantly adding stuff without any sort of evidence. They're just like adding and taking away like they're making, you know, a minestrone, right? Yeah. So, you know, don't, you know, don't put up with the doctor just, you know, grandstanding and telling you about, this and that study, when in reality, what they're doing, they're also sort of spinning wheels. And I'm not, look, they're trying to do their best, but the bottom line is that you have, you have to advocate for yourself. And the simple fact that a doctor may not have enough awareness about immunology, besides the fact that they do have, and I think certain doctors, you know, they're going to be like a little bit, you know, a little bit like that, like, you know, sort of tunnel vision. Um, you have to advocate for yourself. And, and if the doctor doesn't support you, move on. What the heck? Yeah, you throw a penny in the air and there's like 10 IVF centers, you know, like, yes. you know, bounces the yes. head of 10 IVF doctors. You have choices today. Yeah. And to that point, do you guys have a network of doctors that you have maybe in different states that you know are more open to working with you guys because of the free? Yeah. You know? yeah. The, the, 
the, the company that I founded is called Pregimmune, by the way. So uh-huh. you know, mention it for your for your listeners, but it's pregimmune.com. And and uh, you know, we do. There are certain doctors that obviously we are aware are more friendly to immunology. But you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with asking your own doctor and say, look, yeah. you know, uh, I'm interested in getting immunological testing. You know, mm-hmm. are you? You know, it's interesting because certain tests. Uh, which have caught a lot of uh, interest and have helped a lot of people test like, for example, the ERA for the longest times, doctor were very resistant to it. And now there's, you know, evidence that it helps. Um, so, you know, and that came from, believe it or not, patient demand, the patients have, you know, pushed down the doors and pushed for some of tests. And so I think you have power, you, you have more power than you think as a patient. That's what I think. Yeah. And to that point, I've heard you speak before about not really believing that there is any such thing as unexplained infertility. And I know I see a lot of clients that come to me, you know, at their lowest low because they just want a diagnosis, right? The unexplained infertility is like, well, what do I, where do I go from here? So do you suggest for somebody who is given that diagnosis to again, keep pushing the envelope to ask them to keep digging with them or to, to search out I, a different I, doctor. I, I would agree because, you know, like, look, I, I have nothing against somebody walking into a, a reproductive technology office and a shake of hands on IVF. And if it's successful, everybody's happy. Yeah. But once things start not working out, at this point, I think the doctor is obliged to try to find a cause. Now, whether it's in the immune system or it's endometriosis or it's nutritional, um, you know, you've, you've got to look, you know, you're obliged to look into, the, you know, be a little bit more detail oriented. You just can't just keep on pushing because also the more cycles, fail cycles somebody does, the more they are spent. And I'm not just, of course, financially, but also physically, emotionally, you know, it takes a toll and your body, you know, yeah. gets drained of energy. And look, you don't see me wearing any crystals, but this stuff takes a lot of vital energy out of you. You know, mm-hmm. this is a real thing. Yeah. And uh, so I think there's an obligation to try to look for answers. And that's what we do at Pregimmune. We look into the immune system and in potential answers. Now, one doesn't have an answer for everybody. And, you know, earlier you mentioned surrogacy, right? Which um, is a very, it's, you know, some people say it's a surrender. Some people say it's something they would never do. You know, regardless, if you look at, whenever you look at surrogacy, um, it's, it's, there are also ethical issues, moral issues about surrogacy. These, it's a huge decision to make. Right. In the end, it's an alternative. And ultimately, in my mind, it becomes a problem more than anything else. Once people mm-hmm. decide they need it or financial engineering, because how do you heck, how the heck do you pay for it? when it's becoming so crazy expensive. And, uh, but the bottom line is that, you know, a, diag- a proper diagnosis can also help you in that direction because maybe the testing shows that it's a very tough case and, and then maybe surrogacy is the, you know, the main option or the better option. And then whatever, I mean- You, you can you avoid several rounds around. of IVF yourself, right? If you right. know ahead of time what you're dealing with. Right. You're going to say, all right, you know, it becomes now it's uh, now the real question is, uh, how do we find the money to pay for this? And but if you're going to go that route, perhaps you need to really know that's what you need. Instead, what I see is often people do endless IVF cycles, not pregnant miscarriage. All right. Egg donation. Egg donation doesn't work. Also, at that point, it's just like you're at the, you know, like at the last ditch trying to find a reason then when it could have been done three hours, three years earlier and, you know, five, six IVF cycles earlier. Exactly. 
So to that point as well, I mean, obviously the the surrogacy financial thing is a whole nother conversation that we won't go down, but um, it is such a great option for people that need it. And it is. it's so wonderful. It is. It's even, again, the, the, the technology behind that, that it's even possible blows my mind and is so cool. Well, I, I'm, you know, I think that we are blessed in the United States that we, that it's an option for people, you know, in most parts of the world, it just is not an option at all. The U S now is probably one of the last countries in the world, the Ukraine and parts of Greece, but that's pretty much it, you know? Which leads me to my next question. Having been from somewhere else and knowing that you're now practicing in the U.S., mm. I have a lot of clients worldwide. Do you see that the technology and the openness to different things varies a lot within reproductive endocrinology around the world? Or do you think everyone's kind of on the same trajectory and kind of a, because a lot of people actually travel, you know, they travel to the Czech Republic, they travel to Greece, they travel to other places in the world to get treatment sometimes one some because of finances or sometimes because they're just not getting what they think they need here. Do you think that it's kind of all level playing field or do you feel like there's a big discrepancy between different countries out there? Well, one thing you have to understand is that IVF technology is very simple technology, right? It's just a cell culture. So, I mean, it, it, there, there's not, no secrets in the technology of IVF. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the lab. You know, there's good labs everywhere in the world now, everywhere, because it's very easy. What do you need? You need a good incubator, media and, you can buy commercially. And no what defines deal. a good lab for you, Dr. Vidali? It's a lab that has... Uh, acceptable fertilization rates, you know, they have good fertilization rates and that routinely get good quality embryos, you know, like that's like a good, it's a good, a good way to do it. And you usually, when you want to see a good lab, you got to look at their egg donor pregnancy rates, right? If they have high egg donor pregnancy rates, that's like a good measure to know where they should be, where they should be. Okay. So, you know, if I'm looking at a lab, I usually go say, what are, what are their egg donor pregnancy rates? And then I get a good idea where they're at. But in general, um, because egg donor levels the field, right? It's not an egg problem. It's just purely like, you know, and, and yeah, you know, if, good, if they do en- tip. I love that. And if they do enough of it, you know, like if, if, if a center does like seven, you know, 10, 15 egg donor cycles, it's very hard to say because you could get a few negatives and that's bad. But if they do 100 or 50 or 60, you know, then you, they should have a good pregnancy rate. They should be, you know, minimum about 50 percent, you know, like, you know, or, or more. Um, now, and do you know if there's any requirements for them to publish that or if anybody calls, they can get that information. Well, th- those numbers are published by SART. So they're out there to be seen, but okay. worldwide, you know, it's a little bit more complicated, right? Because, you know, every place is, every country has different regulations and there have more restrictions on many embryos they can transfer and all sorts of things. But like I said, labs, they're all the same. I mean, like labs, there's great labs everywhere in the world. Okay. So the, re- the real question really comes down to other doctors vested other doctors good and you know there are some places which are amazing superior than the united states you know spain for example has a killer network of you know amazing ivf clinics amazing wow what makes them so amazing well they have well what makes them so amazing is that they have enormous institutions very high volume an incredible research coming out of them like the ev institute in valencia is incredible it's incredible really Great. Uh, so, you know, they, they, they like dwarf any most IVF centers in the United States. Hmm. 
The, the, what really worries me about what's happening with IVF in the United States is a consolidation. Like basically all these centers are being bought out by, com by big companies, private equities, and it's going to be all a top-down type of uh, patient management. You know, it's going to, you know, all these doctors are going to be employee of these mega companies that own like 20, 30, 40 clinics. Right. And they're going to give very, very little leeway to their doctors. Ultimately, you're going to get like a very vanilla standard, you know, sort of like type of management. And I'm not so sure people are going to be happy about it. I mean, it's one of those things that you see everywhere in medicine, but it's going to be particularly bad for IVF, I think. And I think that it's because the need and the awareness of infertility or fertility is becoming so large and I think growing, I think that it's going to continue that way because they see it as a moneymaker, right? As an investment rather than Look, it's capitalism at work. I'm not, you know, I'm not yeah. against people making money, of course. I'm just observing that when you have a big, when you have all the centers run, you know, there are certain parts of the country where you basically can only go to one network of clinics. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no, you, you can only go to one, you know, you have to leave your state if you want to get a different opinion. That's how bad yeah. it is. You know, uh -huh. one example of that is Florida. Um, you know, if you're in, if you're in Miami on that, you know, there's basically not, not that there's anything. I mean, there, there's great doctors. The point is that if you want a different opinion, if you change your doctor, you have to go to another doctor within the same practice. How's that going to help you? You understand? Right. It's not going to help you. So people have to move and it's crazy. And then you have certain places like New York where you have like so many great doctors in one city, a lot of different perspectives and points of views. But, you know, New York is New York and it's kind of a special place in a way because it's a lot of people live here and there's a lot of centers. But yeah, that is the drama. And, uh, you know, when it comes to immunology, though, there is more and more interest in it there's more and more people uh doing it you know of course for your for the for your followers I, I do recommend that they look into immunology if it's something that's not working for them for sure you know it's and something what does that, that you, protocol look like so if they were to go to their doctor and say i want to do this i i heard about this pregamoon mm -hmm. how what is the whole process how does that work? It's blood work. And, and then we, you know, it's a simple blood work and we, we generate a report. Pregimune generates a report and the report focuses on various factors, such as the one of them being the uh, how the, the, the cup, the cup, how the couple genetically matches from an immunological standpoint. It looks at the overall inflammation and uh, autoimmune uh, component of the of the female. And it looks at other factors, hormonal and nutritional. So basically, the doctor gets a full report. And then, of course, there are interventions that can be made. Sometimes it's coagulation related. You know, sometimes it's um, it does need there's elevated, for example, antiphospholipid antibodies, you know, evidence of autoimmunity that can be corrected with a low dose of prednisone or other medications, similar immunologic. Nothing really too complicated most of the time. So it's there, there are recognized treatment for recurrent pregnancy loss and for implantation failure. But, you know, they're not first line, of course, but that's just logical. You know, it's if, if failures have occurred, you know, that's where you need to go. And so then does that translate into a different protocol that you guys may suggest versus what your doctor? For sure, okay. for sure, for sure. You know, and that's really the way to go. But the doctors are aware of these protocols and, mm -hmm. you know, they, they just need to know the reasons why they have to be put in place and, you know, and the evidence. And really that's where it comes down to. And, uh, you know, there's solid evidence on this. And, uh, you know, we provide a report, which is actually very, um, very helpful. And patients love it. Patients read these reports like it's forensic, every yeah. line, you yeah. know, 
part of the problem is the doctors have no time and they're like, well, I don't, what is it? I don't understand this. What is it? You know, like, you know how it is, you know, the doctors have less time, especially in those big IVF centers where they are like swamped, you know, like yes. they're seeing so many patients. And I love that the patients are so educated now, right? As far as coming into, I can only imagine from your perspective, seeing it over the years, how, how it's evolved, but I think it's so cool. Mm. Uh, it's like, you know, patients have PhDs now. They're legendary in their level of knowledge. There are Facebook groups where people are sharing information, and I'm sure you're aware of that. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. It's really great. Which leads me to, so sometimes that can actually be harmful, right? They see somebody else who got pregnant because they did a, um, a paleo diet because they had they were told that they had some immune issues. And so they think if I, if mm -hmm. I go super strict on what I'm eating and what I'm doing and tell my doctor to do X, Y, Z, that that's, what's going to work for me. And do you see that very often or, you know, well, look, in my opinion, knowledge is never, you know, I never, um, I never think that knowing or hearing a lot of information is a bad thing, you know, like, um, of course, every case is different and you can't assume that just because somebody did something that it's the same thing applies to you yeah. because maybe you don't have all the information about their history and maybe there's something they're not telling you because they're embarrassed about it or something. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can't base it on that. But look, I think that people are very on those Facebook groups are very candid. Yeah. They, they really tell their stories. They, they really, you know, are very open about their their problems in a very honest and candid way. So I'm not one of those people that tells people, oh, you went to see Dr. Google, blah, blah, blah. You know, doctors <laughs> pretty saying like, look, knowledge is power. And and uh, if you're a doctor, you need to be prepared to be asked some tough questions. And if you can deal, and if you're a big baby and you can deal with the tough questions, then, you know, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing, you know? You have, you have to feel confident in what you're doing if you're a doctor and be ready to answer tough questions. Right. Do you see that the diet does affect their fertility much when it comes to immune issues? Well, uh, diet is a very big word because diet is everything, right? It's everything we put into our body. So, you know, of course, the right. short answer inflammatory diet, it, I guess it, I should say. The answer is absolutely yes. I mean, you know, from a dietary standpoint, immunologically speaking, we really look at a couple of things. We, we really pay a lot of attention to omega-3, omega-6 ratios. Because that's something that's measurable and impactful. I mean, that's like one thing that you can measure. What are those ratios and how can you correct them? By just taking fish oil, that simple. Okay. Um, and for immunologically, we also look at vitamin D levels. Those are also very important. I'm saying very simple, basic things that affect the immune system. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, definitely we look at that more than anything else in our, in our report because we know that those type of interventions can make a difference. But when it comes from to macro, micro, micronutrients and, 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 and other types of diets, you know, I don't feel that that's, I can't give an answer to everything to everybody, you know, like right. we look at the immune system and then, you know, your coach, your nutritionist, you know, the people that you're working with are going to give you the other directions. Right. But there's value to it, of course. I mean, who, who deny that? Of course. Yes. So I, I don't know if you're familiar with the Mayo study. It was in two, 2013 where it compared uh, someone who's going through fertility, going through the same level of stress as a cancer patient. Um, do you, are you, I guess, not only aware, but do you see that within your own practice of the amount of stress that these men and women are going through and how that affects their outcome without having support through their process? 
Well, look, it's undeniable because for, you know, reproductive problems, you know, and health problems in general, you know, it's like we just said earlier, it's a problem at, at an existential level. Mm-hmm. It's a problem at a financial level because yeah. people are spending big bucks and they're like, what's going to happen? We're going to run out of money. We won't be successful. It's a problem at a relationship level. You know, if yeah. you are, you know, if you're in a relationship, you're, if you're single, all other sets of problems come about. But, you know, your whole life is affected, you know, similarly to what happens with cancer. So I'm not surprised at all that there are studies showing that because it's self-evident, basically. Right. And then how that affects your body, right? As far as the, in trying to conceive, if your body feels like it's under so much stress, um, does that affect your, your immune response system? The stress level? How could it not do that? You know what I'm saying? How could it not do that? And, uh, and uh, the real question is, how do you fix the problem, right? So, you know, multiple interventions have to be done and you have to always look at the person holistically. Yeah. You have to look at yourself, you know, and it's, and of course it's very, I was just on the phone a few minutes ago with a friend of mine and he was like, oh, you have to think about yourself. You have to meditate. He was talking to me, of course. He's like, Andrea, you work too much, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. But here I am, you know, five, six, seven p.m., 8 p.m. doing, you know, it just, sometimes it's hard to put yourself first. It's not that easy. Even for me, I tell people to do that, but then I'm, I'm, you know, I do the opposite, you know? Yeah. So it's so easy to, to get down that road, I think. Right. Absolutely. So what would you suggest as advice for somebody who's listening that has had multiple losses and or multiple failed transfers? What would their next step be? Well, I think they need to talk to their doctors about, um, you know, ask questions. I think they need to say, look, I just can't keep on doing the same thing over and over again. I can't just do a slightly different protocol of the same thing and, you know, and, ho- and hoping to get a different answer. You know, you need to look at potential answers and, you know, the answers are going to lie in the, in the key things that we just discussed already. Uh, could it be something in my nutrition, for example? Could it be something in my immune system? Could I have endometriosis? I mean, those are the big ones, you know, the, you know, that's why I sort of kind of specialize in kind of all those things, because I've always seen myself as a troubleshooter in what I, I used to have an IVF center, not anymore, but you know, that's the way I look at things. You know, you have to start, you know, digging, digging a little bit deeper and doctors are receptive, believe it or not, they are receptive. It's just that, you know, if, and if the doctor rolls their eyes, I, I, move on, you know, move on, you know, it's just, it's not personal. Right. So where could people find you and learn more about Pregimmune? Well, we have a website, pregimmune.com, very easy uh, to find. And also people can look up my name, Andrea Vidali, and you'll find me everywhere. There's a lot of imposters, believe it or not, on, on Instagram. Yeah. It's like bizarre, but that's happened to me. And I guess like that's a compliment, right? You know, you're, uh, it's you know weird. You're somebody when yeah. people to- <laughs> it's crazy. Every day I find some. But, you know, when you, you know, I'm under uh, my handle on Instagram is endometriosis underscore surgeon, but we also have a pregimmune page on it, on it, on Instagram and Facebook, of course. So, you know, we're there, we're out there advocating, talking, lecturing, you know, just, just like you, what you're doing. And I noticed you have an incredible follower following on on Instagram and you're doing amazing work. I was watching, uh, I was just watching um, them today. Thank you. So are you actually practicing still if people are in the New York area? I am, of course. And, you know, we have reached, we're really multi-state. We are, you know, we have reached in California also. We're licensed in California too. 
um, we're, you know, we're pretty much a, a nationwide company, believe it or not, you know, also on a personal level. Uh, and so is Pregimmune. So we are, we don't see ourselves, ourselves as just a local type of, you know, endeavor. Yeah. Amazing. And it's so great how the world has gotten so small throughout these years. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, COVID, COVID was a blessing because it allowed people to see their providers like, you know, nation where they, they thought beyond their own local area. I think that's what really helped them. Right. Well, thank you so much. And the way that you show up and serve this community with fertility and, and infertility, as some refer to it. But um, I'm so grateful for what you're bringing to the world, because it is really a different perspective that most people really don't take a look at. And I think that it covers so many different areas with autoimmune issues. Really, most most people do have some sort of autoimmune issue. And who's to say that that's not creeping into your fertility. So I think that looking into this pregimmune, if you have had any issues and not waiting any longer to to have that next loss or that next failed transfer, just talk to your doctor today about this and get on it. Let's find out what's really going on so you can save some money and save some time. Thank you very much, uh, Elizabeth. Thank you for your doing as well every day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Follow up on Instagram at the Pretty Little Tribe or at Elizabeth King underscore coaching for updates, resources, and a community to connect with. If you are looking for extra support and tools to guide you along your TTC and parenting journey, visit ElizabethKing.com. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast everywhere you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Visit elizabethking.com backslash pretty little tribe podcast for more information on how to enter. Any review counts. I just appreciate your honest feedback so I can provide you with the best support possible in your TTC and parenthood journey. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.